Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Thank you. Wow, what an introduction. Coach Rain? Wow. <laughs> well, um, wow. If, if that is my legacy for uh, Andrew bringing his Bible to church and underlining it and reading it, I am okay with that. I honestly am okay with that. That is amazing. Um, yeah, so as Andrew had mentioned, uh, we attended this uh, lovely church for six months, or six or seven months, and uh, it was an incredible time for us. We, uh, we kind of just hung out in the back corner, right in around there, and uh, just hid there for uh, a season as we needed to take some rest. And uh, Ryan and Stephanie and the family here kind of just loved on us and uh, we didn't do anything. Uh, We didn't lead worship or preach ever. And then Christmas Eve, James got sick, and uh, the night, the 23rd, he phoned me. He's like, hey, do you think you could lead worship on uh, the 24th? I'm like, okay, sure, why not? So uh, yeah, we had an incredible time here. Um, I pretty much came in every Sunday, sat down in the back, and as the worship was going, and as Ryan preached, I just cried. And the presence of God in this place was so uh, tangible. And he healed our hearts in that season. And uh, so we're just honored that we would get invited back to uh, share with you and be able to lead worship and preach and just have our kids in the ministry, uh, kids ministry. Um, That's just uh, an incredible gift for us to come back and be a part of this family. I believe that the Lord has incredible things in store for this church, for this body of believers. And uh, just to hear Ryan and Stephanie's heart for you guys uh, is incredible. And I believe that not only is it gonna change and shape Calgary, but Canada and the world. And uh, already, so that's uh, when that is taking place. I, I mean, it's already happening already, so. That's, uh, that's fantastic. So thanks for letting us be a part of this church, and uh, I hope we can do it again. Before we get in to the sermon, why don't we, uh, could you just put your hands out like this in a posture of receiving, and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. He's already here, but uh, I just want to take a moment Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place, and we are excited for what you have for us today. We thank you for what you've already imparted in this place. And uh, this morning, as we open up your word and as we dive into the scripture, God, would you um, speak to us? And Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus to us? Would you draw us closer to the heart of Jesus? Would you allow him? Would you allow us to see him more clearly, and uh, that we would ultimately fall more in love with Jesus this morning? Amen. 
So today, as we uh, continue the series that you guys have been going through, um, God is involved. And today's title is Get Up and Get Moving. Come on. Uh, I love that title. I'm a Enneagram 3. Any Enneagram lovers out there? No? Oh, shoot. Enneagram. No one? Enneagram? Okay. It's a personality test. And uh, I'm an Enneagram 3. It's, they're called the achievers. They love doing. They love getting things done. And so, anyways, that was the perfect title for me because I just, let's get up and let's get moving right on, right? And so my wife is rolling her eyes at me right now, but that's all right. <clears throat> so today there's uh, two main points that I want to convey to you guys. And the first one is that in... Uh, we cannot sit idle in God carrying out his plans and his purposes. So uh, God will ultimately do his, his uh, thing. He will carry out his plans. But in that, we cannot take a back seat. We cannot, we cannot just sit idle. And number two, as we move and... Um, as we move and take action, God guides us and he directs and leads us. So we can't sit idle, and as we move, God will guide and lead us. So, diving into Ruth, at this point in the, uh, the journey of Ruth and Naomi, uh, their husbands have died, and they are in a pretty difficult spot in life. They've got no way of providing for themselves. Um, and so they decide to head back, they're in Moab, and they decide to head back to Bethlehem, where uh, Naomi's from. Ruth is a Moabite, and uh, so she, she actually commits to Naomi to take care of her, that her, uh, Naomi's God will be Ruth's God, and Naomi's people will be Ruth's people. And so that's where, they're, that's where they currently are. And uh, life's really difficult, as I said, really difficult for them. Uh, they, uh, they didn't have a lot going for them. And so life was looking a little bleak. And often in life, uh, we can identify maybe not completely with Ruth and Naomi, uh, but we can identify in some ways. You know, life is... Life is difficult. If you've been around for a while, which most of you have in this room, uh, you understand that life can be extremely hard sometimes. We've got um, job loss. We've got uh, deaths in the family. We have, we have to pay mortgages. We've got relational difficulties. We've got difficult uh, financial decisions. Who should we marry? Where should I go to school? Where should I, get, where should I live? All these different decisions and... Uh, and sometimes they're really very difficult. And so uh, often we can find ourselves in a similar situation as Ruth and Naomi. So chapter 2, where we're uh, going to start off this week, begins like this. If you have your Bible, read along with me. And if not, feel free to read on the screen. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth and... Um, and Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was um, of the clan of Elimelech. 
And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Or who, yeah, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So right at the gate, uh, we see that Ruth, despite of her difficult circumstances, uh, despite, despite life looking bleak and uh, not too great, she decides to head out into the fields and glean among the grain. Which leads me to my first point. Ruth decides to take action. She takes a step in the right direction by the grace of God. Sometimes it's so easy for us in life when uh, it's difficult, our circumstances are um, dire, like Ruth and Naomi, to sit back, sit on the couch, and sulk, and feel sorry for ourselves, and cry, and say, God, why me? Why me? Um, and there is a time for grieving, but then there's also a time to get up and get going. And uh, Ruth does just that. She heads out into the fields and she gleans. Ruth takes action. However, it is in the grace and mercy of God that she does. You see, God set up a law of provision for um, widows and um, people, or widows and the poor. And uh, in Leviticus 19, 9 and 10, we see that God sets up this law for his people. And it says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to the edge. Neither shall you gather the gleaning after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So God is providing. God is taking care of his people. And that is how he does it. And uh, Ruth had to walk in humility in order for this to take place. She's in a difficult place. And uh, essentially, she, goes, she just goes out into the field and asks the, the field owners if, the, if she can glean from what is left over. And uh, in 2 verse 7, it says, Please let me glean and gather the sheaves among the reapers. She came asking. She came in humility. So, take a step in humility. I've been in situations before where uh, the only thing I can do is humble myself and ask for help. Humble myself and go and get a job. Uh, there, there is a season in life where um, where we needed money and uh, I didn't have a job and I had to, I threw something up on Facebook and just said, hey, can I do anything? Like anything, any, whatever you want to pay me to do, I'll do it. And uh, yeah, most days, exactly. Um, or mostly, yeah. Um, anyways. <laughs> yeah. 
what can I do? Pay me and I'll do it. Um, and so Ruth does just that. She heads out into the field and she uh, works hard. David Guzik, a commentator, said, yes, God blessed Ruth. Yes, people were generous to her. But at the same time, she did hard work. This was a sun-up to sundown day, and Ruth worked hard all day long. So, a question for you today is, in light of God's goodness and His grace and His provision, where is God asking you to take action? I'm sure everyone in your head, everyone has a place where, oh yeah, that's a place where I need to take action. So, for you today, what is the Lord saying, I need to step out and do this? Do what is in front of you to do. Sometimes my wife and I, uh, we, we get to a place and we, we're like, what do we do? What do we do in this situation? What do we do? Uh, we've got this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And, we're like, and, and it just uh, paralyzes us. And sometimes I'll say it to Becky or Becky will say it to me, just do the next thing in front of you to do. Just take action in some, in some way. Just do the next thing that you feel that the Lord is, is calling you to do. Uh, James talks about this idea in the New Testament. He says, um, put your action, or sorry, put your faith into action. Uh, if you actually have faith, then uh, show it by, your, uh, by the steps that you take, by the, by the works that you do. So what is God asking you to do this week? What action is he asking you to take? Is there a conversation that you need to have? Is there a project that you need to start? Do you need to rest and trust God? And yes, taking rest is an action. A lot of us don't believe that uh, because our culture says differently, but rest is an action. And so do you need to take rest? Do you need to find a job? St. Augustine, a church father, he said this, pray as if everything depended on God and work as if everything depends on you. So what action is God asking you to take today? Uh, let's keep, keep going in the story of Ruth, chapter 2, verse 8. And uh, read with me. Or actually, I'll read it. You listen. <laughs> uh, then Boaz said to Ruth, Now, listen, my daughter, do not, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessel and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you have left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. 
Then she said, I have found favor in, the, in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So while uh, Ruth, she goes out into the field and while she's gleaning, um, she's gleaning from the harvesters, Ruth meets Boaz and Boaz uh, has heard of her and Naomi's situation, and she's heard of Ruth's character and, and what she has committed to do, taking care of her mother-in-law and, and humbling herself to go out into the fields and, and uh, reap and pick up the barley that's fallen to the ground. And Boaz uh, and Ruth finds favor in Boaz's eyes. And Ruth says, because of all this, because of uh, what you've done, your character, your humility, look, I want you to stay in my field. Don't go to anyone else's field. You can take whatever you want here. And, um, and, and you can have my food and you can have my water and, and I will take care of you. And Ruth and Naomi, so at this point, Ruth and Naomi, they have no idea what they're going to do. They have no idea how they're going to um, provide for themselves. And Ruth simply takes an action, goes, goes out into the field and gleans and gleans and gleans and she sovereignly gleans into Boaz's field. At some point, at some point, our seemingly pointless tasks become the sovereign move of God. I forgot to say the, the title of my second point. My second point is trust God. Provision comes by grace and providence. So let me say this again. At some point, our seemingly pointless tasks become a sovereign move of God. Boaz was a relative of Ruth's father-in-law, and he was their kinsman redeemer. Now, do you guys know what the kinsman redeemer is all about? Kinsman Club, yeah. <laughs> so some of you do, Andrew doesn't. So I will, uh, I'll do, I'll let you know. So Kinsman Redeemer uh, in this time uh, was a relative of the family, usually. And uh, what would happen was if the man of the family would die, and uh, he left behind property, and he left behind a wife and children, um, what this Kinsman Redeemer's responsibility and was to purchase the land of that individual who had passed away and take care of that family and provide for that family. And so um, Ruth's seemingly menial act of going out into the fields and gleaning turns into a, a sovereign act of God where she gleans right into the kinsman redeemer's field. Isn't that amazing? As we take steps in the right direction, as we get up and get going, our seemingly day-to-day -day life becomes a sovereign move of God. God will open doors for you. Hear me. God will open doors for you. God will provide opportunities for you. We must be willing to walk through them. We must be willing to take opportunities, no matter what they look like. God is moving, God is guiding, and he is leading. Sometimes 
probably a lot of the times it will take humility to walk through those doors or take those opportunities because they might not look like a door from God. Because isn't the door from God supposed to be this big, huge thing that is amazing with lights and smoke and all these uh, lightning from heaven? Ruth took a step and did the next thing. Ruth took a step and did the very next thing that she was called to do. Eugene Peterson, he wrote a book called um, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's sitting on my bookshelf. I've never read it. (laughs) But I love the title. And that's probably why I have the book. Um, Because the title is just incredible. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that's kind of what the Christian life is all about. It's, a, it's step after step after step after step after step in the right direction. And then we look back years later and we're like, oh my goodness, are you, are you kidding me? Like I thought that was just like some random step that I took, but God was actually sovereignly leading me. God was sovereignly guiding me and he led me right into the kinsman redeemer's field. You have no idea what is on the other side of your obedience. You have no idea what's on the other side of that one step that you take. It could change your life forever. This one time, uh, I was leaving, I was a long time ago, I was 19 years old at the time, and I'm leaving my parents' house in my car, and I headed out to hang out with my friends, And we lived out in the country, and we're on dusty, dirty gravel roads. Uh, Now I get to live in a city where there is none of that. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Um, Sorry if any of you live on dirty gravel roads. Anyways, I'm uh, headed out onto the... uh, I'm headed out in my car, I'm driving down these roads, and I come across this car on the side of the road with two guys standing beside it and they have a gas can in their hand. So I'm like, they're a couple miles for sure away from the nearest gas station. And so I roll down my window, I'm like, hey, uh, what's going on? Like, how are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we ran out of gas. And I'm like, you ran out of gas, interesting, all right. Uh, I like, I usually like to, <laughs> yeah, see ya. I usually like to fill up my uh, tank before I run out, but hey, um, no. So they, they, uh, ran, they had run out of gas, And I was like, well, hey, you have a gas can right there. Give it to me. I'm in a car that drives. How about I head out and... uh, I didn't say all these things. I'm just saying them right now. Um, I'll take your gas can. I'll go get you some gas and get you guys on the road again. They're like, oh, sweet, thanks. That'd be awesome. And so I get the gas, come back, fill um, whatever's in the can. I put it into their car. And uh, they're like, oh, thanks so much. That was that's awesome, like, we didn't deserve that type of thing. And, uh, and then we say bye, and that was it. And uh, a couple years later, this, I don't even remember where I'm at, but this guy comes up to me, and he's like, hey, remember me? I'm like, nope, I don't. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a couple years ago, you were on the side of, uh, we were on the side of the road, and uh, we ran out of gas. I was like, oh yeah, now I remember. And uh, he's, he's like, you, uh, f- 
you filled up our car with gas on the side of the road, and, and I just wanted to let you know that I had walked away from God, I had walked away from the church, and the second that you had uh, left, I went straight to church and I rededicated my life to God, and years later, I, I'm still living for the Lord. And uh, I, I say that because, like I said before, you have no idea what's on the other side of your obedience. You have no, you have no idea what's on the other side of just taking a step in the right direction, wherever you feel like the Lord is leading you. God will and can and will sovereignly use your steps of obedience to call people to himself, to call people to his son, and he will change people's lives through your steps. Ruth's commitment to others, her humility, her hard work, brought God's blessing on her life and fulfilled the promises of God. And as she took steps of action, God sovereignly moved in. And ultimately for Ruth, uh, some of those plans and uh, promises on her life were that Jesus would come through uh, her line. She probably didn't know that, but uh, I know I'm giving... I know I'm giving a little bit of the story away, but at the end of Ruth, if you read, there's a genealogy. So this great story, and then it ends the whole thing with a genealogy. And you're like, why, why in the world would that be? Well, we see that uh, Ruth marries Boaz. And Boaz and, and Ruth, they give birth to a guy named Obed, and Obed is the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of King David. And King David is the line of who uh, brought about the promise of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so God is moving in our steps of act, taking action. God is moving in our steps of obedience. So my final uh, point this morning is this. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Boaz, in this story, or in this, uh, yeah, in the story of Ruth, Boaz is a, uh, what scholars and theologians, they call types. And Boaz is a type of Christ. He's a picture pointing towards the coming Savior. And why is that? Well, because Christ is ultimately our Redeemer. He is our kinsman Redeemer. He purchased us from the bondage of sin and death. And Christ is our Redeemer. He purchased us from the clutches of death. And He is one who frees us and gives us life. And He is the one who provides us with, uh, He provides for us. God Himself has given us a redeemer in his very own son. In Titus 2.14, it says this, He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, that we might serve him. And Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace 
you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. God has graciously given his son for us to redeem us, to be our redeemer. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the life of Ruth. Lord, just how Ruth took a step in the right direction. And she went in the fields to glean. And as she took this step, she moved, you moved, and sovereignly led her. Lord, in your grace, would you allow us to take steps of action this week? Where we need to, where we need to have conversations or where we need to um, just relax and rest or where we need to start a project that you're calling us to begin. And God, we ask that in those actions you would sovereignly move, that you would sovereignly carry out your plans and your purposes. Would you fulfill the things that you have promised? Would you open up doors and opportunities for us to walk through, for us to humbly walk through, even though sometimes they may not look all that great? God, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you fulfill your plans and your purposes? And Holy Spirit, this morning, I ask that you would open up hearts to the person of Jesus Christ. God, would you draw us closer to your son, Jesus. Maybe you're here today and something has impacted you, maybe the worship or something that I've shared. And maybe you've fallen away in your relationship with the Lord and you want to restart your walk today. I just uh, pray over you right now. Holy Spirit, would you draw their heart to Jesus? Would you allow them to get up and get going and take steps towards you? Would you renew their passion and desire for Jesus Christ? And would you hold them close to your heart? And maybe you're here today and you have never given your life over to Jesus. And right now, I want to invite you to give your life to our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, the one who has paid for your redemption, the one who has paid uh, to free you from the bondages of sin and death and destruction. So right now, if you are here and that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I want to start a relationship with you today. Will you forgive me for all of my sins? Forgive me for all my sins. I realize I need you in my life. I realize I need you in my life. I realize you are God and created me for a great purpose. I need you, God. I need you, God. Will you come into my life and heart today? 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.